Amen. You know, as, as we um, um, understand the love that God has for us, as we are filled with His Spirit, with His presence, rivers of living water just pour out of us. You know, as we open our mouths in our daily walk, we find that rivers of living water just minister to people that God sends across our paths. Um, I find peace, I find hope, rivers of living water, the Spirit of God just manifesting through my body. Effortless as I dwell in the love and in the goodness of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Today, we're going to be talking about agreeing with the Father's love. Now, the word agree <clears throat> means to agree with one in making a bargain, to make an agreement, to give yourself fully to. Agree means to be harmonious in opinion, denoting union together by association or companionship, seeing similar in kind, looking similar, seeing similar in kind. That's what the word agree means. So as, as we walk in this life, we agree with the love that God has for us. We agree with the goodness that He showers us with. We agree with the peace that He gives us for free. We agree with the sacrifice of Jesus, which is a completed work which gives us everything for free. That's how we live in this life. We agree with the Father's love. Now, um, today is just going to be like a summary of the gospel, just explaining the gospel. Um, now, in the beginning, when God created man, we were like a clean, clear vessel filled with the Spirit, with the life of God. Like that clean glass of water you see on the screen being filled with clear water. In the beginning, when God created us, He took dust, made a clean, pure vessel out of us, out of man, and He poured His Spirit into that clean vessel. So originally in the garden, Adam and Eve were like this clean glass of, filled with pure water, filled with the life, the Spirit of God. That's how we were created how we were meant to live, living by the Spirit of God, living effortless, living by the love of God, by the goodness of God, in companionship, in unity with God. Amen. Then we know what happened, just to go again, uh, Satan came to Adam and Eve, and he said that you will not live by the Spirit of God, by the love of God, you will live by your ability to do, to do the right thing. And man agreed with what Satan was saying. And in that agreement with what Satan was saying, in agreement with the doctrine of Satan, in agreement with uh, that teaching that Satan brought to them, an agreement was made between man and Satan, between man and the doctrine of Satan. Yes. And what happened with that clean, pure glass? It became an, a dirty vessel emptied of the life of God. So man who was a clean, pure vessel, purified through the creation of God, filled with the Spirit of God, became an empty, dirty vessel. Because man agreed with the doctrine of Satan, which said that you will live by your own ability, by your own power to do the right thing. And man 
was a clean, pure vessel filled with the spirit with the life of God, became an empty, dirty vessel. And um, that agreement that man had with Satan was like a contract. It was a powerful agreement which man would have been stuck in for all eternity had it not been for the, for the um, sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If we read in um, Isaiah 28, it says, <clears throat> Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes shall not make haste. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then you shall be trodden down by it. So man, in agreement with Satan, had a covenant with death. This is what the scripture is saying. Man entered into a covenant with death, an agreement with hell, which was a powerful covenant, a powerful legal binding agreement that he had no power to get out of because this agreement said that you will find life through the perfection of what you do and no one was able to do it. Therefore, no one was able to find life. Therefore, everyone had an agreement with death. That's what it boils down to. Now, Isaiah 28 verse 16, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone. This is talking about Jesus, who is the cornerstone of everything we believe is the cornerstone of our lives. So it talks about the work of Jesus, God saying that even though you have this agreement with death, this covenant with death, I will lay a new cornerstone, the work of Jesus Christ, and I will disannul this agreement, this covenant that you have with death. The word covenant means a binding agreement. So man had a binding agreement with death because no one was able to find life through the perfection of what they do. Everyone had an agreement with death. Now that was a legal binding agreement that man entered into with Satan. It wasn't just some petty thing that man agreed to. It was a legal binding contract that um, man contracted with death, with hell, uh, with living a life filled with curses. That word death means destruction, ruin, fall, defeat, that change of anything which destroys it. So this pure, clean vessel that was filled with the pure life of God was destroyed. It was brought to ruin. The very thing that man was created to be was destroyed. And man entered into a place where he was dirty, a dirty, empty vessel. Not being able to fill himself with anything that he does. Now God says, because of the work of Jesus, this covenant with death shall be disannulled. And your agreement with hell... Hell is the pit, it's the underworld, the place of no return, a place where there is no praise of God, it's a place of exile. Extreme degradation in sin, the word degradation means reduction in rank, depriving one of honor or dignity. So, man's agreement with hell, man was brought into a place where he was totally reduced in rank where there was no honor or dignity, where man had no honor or dignity. Man was created in the image of God, came into a place 
where his dignity was stripped away from him, and man who was created in the image of God became a slave of a system that destroyed him. And then it says, Your covenant with death, your agreement with hell, shall not stand when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then you shall be trodden down by it. That's the word scourge means a lash, a whip. It means punishment, that which greatly afflicts, harasses, or destroys. So this overflowing scourge, this punishment, fell on Jesus Christ. He was whipped. He was lashed. He was afflicted. His body was destroyed upon the cross. So the very punishment, the punishment that a law system required, fell on Jesus Christ. Not the punishment that God required, but the punishment that the law system required fell on Jesus Christ. And instead of man being punished and destroyed by a law system for all eternity, that punishment fell on, fell on the Holy Lamb of God, who was destroyed, punished, brought to ruin in our place. So the scourge that was destined for man fell on the Lamb of God, fell on the Son of God. This is what the scripture is talking about. It says, when this overflowing scourge, this affliction, this harassment that fell on Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, when this shall pass through, then you shall be trodden down by it. Talking about the pride of man, man, man standing in a system where he wants to find life through what he does, where he wants to find life through his own ability, which is pride. And when the... Um, uh, affliction fell on Jesus Christ, that pride of man was trodden down by the work of Jesus Christ. And through the destruction of the pride of man, man was brought into a place where he could receive freely from God the life of God, the love of God, the holiness of God, blessing for free. Amen. That's the gospel. We know this verse, John 1, 29, the next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and says, <clears throat> Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So what Jesus did was, Jesus took away the sin of the world. Jesus took away the covenant that man had with death, the agreement that man had with hell. Hell, uh, a place separated from God, a place where we live in exile from God. And even today in this life, people live in hell. People live in exile from God. We just have to look at the state that people find themselves in. They're living in exile from God. They've separated themselves from God. Now that state where people find themselves in, in this life, when God comes again, that state will continue for eternity. Not because God desires to punish people, but because that is the choice of people. People having a free choice to make, choosing to live apart from God. Choosing to live outside of the family of God. Choosing to live outside of a place where God is their father. Separating themselves from the love, from the provision, from the care of God into a place where they've exiled themselves from the father. And... Because man was created in the image of God and everyone has a fair choice, when God comes again, that decision that people make in this life will just carry on for all eternity. Because God does not overrule the choice of people. Amen.
Isaiah 62 verse 1. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamb that burns. So God is saying that He will not rest, prophesying about the coming of Jesus Christ, that God was not at rest until Jesus would put everything right, yes. and He has done it. Yes. So God has entered into a place of rest, because Jesus... Jesus' work is a finished, completed work. But God says, I will not rest until the righteousness of my people will go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamb that burns. So before Jesus came, God was not at rest, desiring to see His people made righteous, to see His people made right, to see His people partaking in His quality of life. Amen. Isaiah 38 verse 17 <clears throat> For you, as in, love, as in love to my soul, delivered it from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind my back. Hezekiah speaking, speaking of that God loved him so much that he delivered him out of a pit of corruption, out of a pit of exile from God, and all his sins has been cast behind the back of God, prophesying of the work of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 63 verse 9, In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. Talking of Jesus, Jesus being afflicted, the overflowing scourge falling on Jesus Christ, and in God's love and in his pity for man he redeemed us. He redeemed us from having to be saved by a system of doing right and not doing the wrong thing. And that dirty glass becomes what? Becomes a clean glass. So this world, people whose vessels had been emptied from the life of God, people whose vessels had been dirtied by corruption, by a covenant with death, by living in exile from God in hell, those people, this planet was cleansed from that sin, from that corruption, set free from that system of death, set free from that covenant with death. And dirty vessels were cleaned through the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ into clean vessels. So everyone on this planet is clean in the sight of God, innocent before the sight of God, because Jesus is the Lamb who took away the sin of the world. Amen. But that vessel is still empty. Because if we preach the gospel of the love of God, people accept it. And as they accept, as they agree, as they have faith in the work of Jesus, that clean, empty vessel is filled with the Spirit of God. But if people do not accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they have no faith in the work of Jesus, they are a clean, innocent vessel, empty of the life of God. The life of God is not found within them. People, no matter what people believe, if people believe in some God, if people believe uh, in the power of their own works to make them righteous, that vessel is not filled with the love, with the spirit, with the being of God. The only way that a clean, innocent vessel is filled with the life of God is to accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many messages being preached today saying that the whole planet is saved. The whole planet is not saved because there are clean vessels on this planet not being filled with the life of God. Um, there are messages being preached today that want to nullify the work of Jesus Christ. Saying that it was just, um, just something that God decided to do. Uh, wanting to degrade the work that Jesus did upon the cross. If there wasn't a cross, we would not be saved. It's as simple as that. If it wasn't for the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we would not be saved. We would not know God at all. We would have no hope in this world without the cross of Jesus Christ. There are messages being preached today that says the Bible is a fable, that, that um, it means nothing what you read in the scriptures. Because people come up with doctrines that do not agree to what the scripture is saying. And the only way for them to justify their doctrine is to degrade scripture. And say that the Bible, the scripture, the holy word of God is just a fable. We don't subscribe to that. We agree with the Father's love. Which has been revealed to us through the manifestation of Jesus Christ. Until Jesus came... No one knew what God was like. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And we agree with that. As we agree with the Father's love. And this, this is the new covenant that God makes with us. The new covenant is a covenant of His love. That He scatters abroad. His spirit that He showers on us. Uh, the new covenant, the covenant of the Father's love for us is a place where we receive everything that He gives us for free as we believe in His Son. If you read um, in Genesis, I think it's Genesis 15, where God makes a covenant with Abraham. Um, as Abraham brings the animals before God, um, a deep sleep falls on Abraham. It says Abraham fell in a deep sleep and the dread, the fear fell upon him. And as he was in that deep sleep, God passed through the sacrifices. Now, it wasn't God and Abraham who passed through the sacrifices. It was God himself who passed through the sacrifices. And why is that? Because God covenanted with himself. God the Father covenanting with God the Son. And Abraham received the benefits um, of the covenant that God had with Himself. And in the very same way, today, we receive the benefits of the covenant of God the Father with God the Son. God the Father has a covenant with God the Son, and we reap the benefits thereof for free. And the only way to receive the benefits of the new covenant that God gives us is to be asleep, like Abraham was. Why did he fall into a deep sleep? He fell into a position of rest. And only when we enter into a place of deep sleep, in a place where we rest from our own efforts to please God, can we receive the benefits of the covenant that God has with us. Can we receive the benefits of the love that God showers upon us. And it says a great fear and dread fell upon Abraham. Why is that? Because as we see the covenant that God the Father has with God the Son, we know that there is nothing that we can add to it. And we need to know that there's nothing we can add to the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
That's what happened to Abraham, and that is how we receive the benefits of the covenant of God. That's how we receive the blessings of God for free. By resting, by being asleep, by not putting in some effort to receive something from God, and by knowing that there's nothing that I can add to receive anything from God. Amen. 1 John 4 verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. So as we rest, as we know that there's nothing that we can add to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we enter into the love of God. We dwell in the love of God. We receive the love of God. And as we dwell in God's love, he dwells in us and we dwell in Him. And we are in agreement with the love of the Father. And we receive from Him what He gives us for free. That is the only way that that empty glass is filled again. So man was a filled, clean vessel that was destroyed when man chose to have an agreement, a covenant with death. Jesus cleansed that vessel. Everyone is innocent before God. But that vessel is empty until we come into agreement, until we have faith in the love of God. And we receive, again, the life of God living within this vessel. And that is why we have nothing to fear in the day of judgment. Because when God comes again, when He is revealed in this physical plane, we will have His life contained within us, within this vessel, and we will be safe in His arms. Because as He is, so are we, because we are filled with His life. Amen. And we agree <clears throat> with the new covenant. We are in harmony with the love of God. We are in union with the love of God. We have our companionship with God, with the love of the Father. We are similar in kind with God. We agree with the Father's love. We accept His love. The simplicity of the gospel. One John five verse one: Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Conversely, those who do not believe that Jesus is the Christ is not born of God. To be born of God, to be filled with the life of God, is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One. 1 John 5 verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. So, the book, uh, John wrote this book because people were saying that Jesus did not come in the flesh. 
If, if you read the beginning of 1 John, uh, John says he talks about Jesus whom they had touched with their hands, whom they had seen. Because there were people saying that Jesus did not come in the flesh. That's why I wrote this book. Now to believe that Jesus is the Christ is to believe that Jesus came in the flesh. That Jesus was born into a human body. That that human body uh, was sacrificed upon a cross because of the requirements of a law system that man had covenanted with. So that we could be set free. So that we could be born anew as a new creature. That's why scripture says can a nation be born in a day. Because a new nation was born in a day. When Jesus arose from that grave, a new man was born who's free from uh, a covenant with death. Three, free from an agreement with hell. Free to live through the life of God. Now it says, whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now the world is a law system. Everything in this world wants to pull us back into a place where we strive to earn something through yes, what sir. we do. But what overcomes that pull back into a system of law, back into a system of earning something to be blessed, is the faith that we have in the completed work of Jesus Christ. As we abide in the vine, as we abide in the work of Jesus Christ, we find that we overcome the world. Even the problems of this world, even the afflictions of this world, this fallen life that we have on this planet, our faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ gives us the victory over the problems that we have in this world. Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he, talking of Jesus, that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. So, uh, John goes on and he says, there are three that witness, that testify, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. They testify, the water speaks of Jesus being born as a man speaks of birth. Jesus was born in the body of a man. It speaks of the baptism of Jesus Christ as he was baptized into the sin of this planet. He took all the sin of the world upon him. That's what it speaks about. That is the witness of water. Water speaks of birth. Also speaking of the new birth, the new creation that we are birthed as, as we believe in the work of Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus was born in a physical body. Uh, in John's time, they were saying Jesus did not come in a physical body. And even today, people say that. They even say that when Jesus comes again, he will not come again in a physical body. Jesus will come again in a physical body. He sits on the right hand of God in a physical body. And in that physical body, he will return to this planet. That is what the water speaks of. But Jesus did not come by water only, but by water and blood. Blood speaks of the sacrifice of Christ. The death of Jesus. As his blood flowed out of him, the old man, the man's covenant with death was disannulled, was destroyed. In the fulfillment of the law system, Jesus destroyed the power of the law system. His very life that was spilled, that was sacrificed, the blood that, that flowed out of him. That's what the blood speaks about. And the spirit that bears testimony. The spirit cries in our hearts, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies within us that God loves us, that He's our Father, that the work of Jesus is a completed, finished work. Amen. The three that testify about Jesus, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. 
as we agree with the Father's love, as we understand the great love that God has for us, and the testimony, the witness of that love is Jesus upon a cross. Now, as I agree with the Father's love, there are certain fruits that manifest in my life. I live in peace. In this life, as I overcome the world, the temptations of the world, which is to find my life in what I do and what I possess, as I overcome that temptation, I live in peace. As I understand the love that God has for me, as I agree with the Father's love for me, I live in peace. I have peace in this world. I feel safe. I feel protected. If God loves me, if God is for me, who can be against me? What can separate me from the love of God? I'm safe in the unconditional love of God. Safe in the acceptance of God. I'm protected by God. What is there that can curse me? Galatians say that uh, Christ became a curse to redeem those who were under the curse of the law so that we can be blessed. I'm protected by the very act of Jesus becoming a curse. There's nothing that can curse me. It is impossible for me to be cursed as I abide in the vine. It is impossible. It is impossible for me to be cursed as I abide in the work of Jesus Christ. I'm protected by the love of God. It is, it is impossible for me to fly. It is impossible for me in the same way to be cursed. I cannot lift off the ground by flapping my arms and in the very same way it's impossible for me to be cursed as I abide in the vine. It is impossible. When I agree with the Father's love, I live guilt-free, I live worry-free. I'm free from guilt. I've been set free from guilt. I've been set free from worry. I worry about nothing in this world because I'm safe and protected by God. I feel whole. I feel accepted, I feel supported, and I feel understood. I feel whole, I've been made whole. No longer am I broken in pieces. I've been made whole through the love of God. God accepts me unconditionally. He supports me unconditionally. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, I have the support of God. And if God supports me, what can be against me? And God understands me. I no longer have to feel that I'm not understood. God understands me. I can be myself knowing that I am valued for who I really am. So as I come into the love of God, God values me for who I am. I no longer have to, be, to pretend that I'm some holy creature walking around with a mask, pretending that I'm some holy person, which I'm really not, but knowing that in the love of God, He values me for who I am and I'm accepted unconditionally, no matter what I do, I can be myself with God. No longer have I, I have to live a life of falsehood, pretending that I'm someone who I'm not. I come into a place where God accepts me unconditionally and He values me for who I am. No longer do I have to pretend with God. With God... As I agree with His love, I don't have to hide my feelings from Him. I don't have to hide from God what I feel. Whatever I feel, I can reveal to God. 
because He loves me. And I'm in an open, honest relationship with the Creator of the universe. I don't have to deny my emotions. As I agree with the Father's love, I don't have to deny what I feel. Because in a law-based system, we were always told, no matter what you feel, you have to do the opposite. If you feel like you don't want to do this thing, you better do it to find favor with God. No, if I don't want to do this thing, I don't do it. I don't have to hide or deny my emotions. I don't have to act contrary to what I feel like doing. And if I feel unhappy, I feel unhappy. If I feel happy, I feel happy. I don't have to deny or hide what I feel or what I think. In any case, I'm an open book before God. He knows everything that's written on the pages of this book. I don't have to pretend with Him. He accepts me no matter what He reads on these pages. Amen. And when I agree with the Father's love, when I accept His unconditional love, I can cope with difficult situations that happens in this life. Jesus said, in this life you will have many troubles, but be of good cheer because I have already overcome the world. And that victory, that overcoming, is in the love of God. We cope with difficult situations and we recover from setbacks and losses. If a difficult situation comes across my path, I feel safe and protected in the love of God, no matter what happens. If, if this world takes away everything I own, everything I possess, I'm still safe and protected in the love of God, and He will provide for me. In the new covenant, in a place where we agree with the Father's love, God's provision is. Full stop. God's provision is. God's provision isn't dependent on what you do. God's provision is. As He is, so is His provision. God's provision is, full stop, for you. Amen. Amen. As I agree with the Father's unconditional love, as I agree with His new covenant, as I agree with the work of Jesus, I feel more confident in this life. And I find it easier to explore new possibilities and to be creative. I find all of a sudden that the real me starts to stand up. Creativity that had been suppressed all these years because I had a, a, had a covenant with death now suddenly rises to the surface. And I, 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 I see, oh my goodness, what is this manifesting within me? And I'm even surprised by what comes to the surface as the real me, the real creative me is revealed in the love of God. And then, the last one that I wrote down here, as we agree with the Father's love for me, what do I find? I find that I love me. I love me. And I accept myself. And that is... The point that we need to come to, as we see how much God loves me, I have to love me. Because often in this life, things happen throughout our lives that reject us, that wants to make us feel second rate, that wants to make us feel like, what's a mislukking? A failure. Something, things happen in my life that wants to make me feel like a failure. And I fail to accept myself. I fail to love myself. 
But as I understand how much God loves me to the point that He would sacrifice His own Son on my behalf when we were still the enemies of God, I can love myself. And as I love myself, I can love others unconditionally. I can love the family of God. I can love people in the world. Those who do not even know Christ, those who have rejected Christ. I find, as I receive the love of God, as I start to love myself and accept myself, that love towards others manifests through me. Towards others. Amen. One John five verse four, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So as we have faith, as we agree, as we are persuaded of the Father's love for us, we overcome everything that wants to make us feel second rate, that wants to make us feel like failures, that wants to make us feel not good enough. Everything that wants to make us feel condemned, that wants to heap shame and guilt upon us, I overcome the world because that is in the world. Mm -hmm. I overcome anything that is thrown against me that wants to take me out of a position of rest into a place where I have to work again to earn something from God, to earn the favor of God, to earn the love of God. I overcome that as I abide in the love of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us unconditionally. Lord, and we agree with your love for us. We agree that you love us unconditionally. We receive your love. Lord, and this clean, innocent vessel is filled to overflowing with the love, the life, the spirit, the power of God. And rivers of living water flow out of his body out of this vessel. Thank you, Lord, that I can come into a place where I can say that because you love me, I love me. Thank you, Jesus, that we can just accept ourselves, that we can accept our brothers and sisters, that we can accept people in the world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, we just receive your love. There where you are seated, just receive the love of God. Know that God loves you unconditionally. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.